Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shearer, founder and CEO of Tribal Knowledge Podcasting, and my guest is Brian Clayton, CEO and co-founder of GreenPal, the Uber of lawn mowing. Brian, it's great to have you on the show. Jeremy, thanks for having me on. Great to be here. So what does it mean to be the Uber of lawn mowing? So yeah, GreenPal is the Uber for grass cutting. So if you need to get your grass cut, rather than calling around on Craigslist or Yelp or Facebook, you just download our app, pop your address in, and you'll get hooked up with a great lawn mowing service in, in a few minutes. I've been at it for nine years. I guess you could say we're like a 10-year overnight success. A few hundred thousand people using the app and, and growing still fast here in, in year nine. And uh, self-funded. My two co-founders and I have self-funded the business uh, for almost a decade now. That is really cool. This is one of these businesses that, in retrospect, seems so obvious. Like, of course, why didn't anyone think of this sooner? But at the time, I'm sure you were the first to do it. And it's kind of like in that realm of businesses like pet sitting. Used to be you just ask around your neighborhood, who can I find? And now there's, you know, an app for that, of course. Right. So what gave you the idea in the first place to do this? I think a lot of times if you're trying to invent a new product or service from scratch, it can help to solve your own problems. So for me, I, my first business was a landscaping company. I actually started cutting grass in high school as a way to make extra cash and little by little grew this little lawn mowing business that I had back in the late 90s. Over a 15-year period of time, built that to one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee where I live, uh, eventually getting that over like 150 employees, like $10 million a year in revenue. And in 2013, I sold the companies and it was acquired by one of the largest landscaping companies in the country. And after that, I retired. I took time off. I, I kind of like had a point of introspection and like realized that I wanted to be back in the game. I wanted to be back in business. Something about me, I love being uh, in, involved in a project that was hard and challenging and growing. And so I thought, well, what now? What should I do now? And, and it was kind of naivete as an asset. I, I, I thought, well, I want to start a software business because that, that, that's probably easier than what I just did. And boy, I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, recruited two co-founders and we started working on the best idea I had at the time, which was push a button, get the grass cut. And uh, here we are now, 10 years later, still still working on that same idea. It, it, the, it's, it's remarkable how, how very similar the, the, the problem and solution was 10 years ago. Still the same thing we're doing today, just making it quicker, faster, easier, cheaper for folks to just literally sign up for our app and get somebody to come cut their grass for them. Okay, really cool. So now you market to regular people, anyone with a lawn pretty much who needs their grass cut. And you also market to lawn care providers to sign up so that they can be available when, when someone goes to the app, right? So let's talk about each of those in your marketing strategies. And let's start with the regular people. And I'll use myself as an example. When I need our grass cut, before my kids left the house and went to college, I just tell them, hey, go mow the lawn. But now, if I don't want to do it myself, you know, I think one of it would be really uh, great to go to something like GreenPal. Instead of just having to ask around, I think one of my main questions or concerns would be, well, how do I, how, how do I trust this? You know, I definitely trust my next door neighbor's recommendation, but how do I know that the lawn care providers available on this platform are trustworthy? Yeah, it's a, it is a good concern. And, and it's funny, it's like, you know, it, whether somebody walking your dog or, or babysitting for you or mowing your grass or picking you up in a, in a car 
you would think that it would be it, it, it would be taking a leap of faith to hire somebody through a digital interface versus a, a, a recommendation from like a family member or somebody at church or something like that. And the reality is, is it's actually more secure because you know more about who you're getting ready to hire than you would in, in the traditional world because you can see things like reviews, what other people have said about them. We, we show you data points around like how often do they get hired for a second lawn mowing and a third and fourth lawn mowing, which means like, are they good enough to, to, to get hired again? How often do they show up on pictures of their equipment, the pictures of past law, of lawns that they've done? So when you sign up on GreenPal, you have all of this rich data around who you're getting ready to hire for your service versus if you asked around uh, the neighborhood, you know, you might get a recommendation, but that's like one data point. And it's mm. like, it's not really, it's not really that, that much more safe than, than just hiring somebody off the internet. So it's funny. It's like the initial, um, the initial assumption is that it's, it's more uh, risky to hire somebody uh, online versus, you know, through the traditional method. But the reality is it's actually more secure because you have more data around who you're getting ready to hire to come do the service for you. So that's how, where we've ended up a decade later. In the early days, it was very much uh, challenging because we didn't have the liquidity. We didn't have the data. We didn't have all of, all of this, this these feedback loops coming into the marketplace. And so we solved that just through sheer sheer hustle. We literally knew the first hundred service providers that came onto the platform. You know, we literally hand vetted them. You know, we, we, we interviewed them. We, we, we looked at their equipment. We talked to their previous customers. And then as time went on, we figured out ways to scale that through technology and, and be able to, to move quicker and not have to personally vet every single service provider. But it, it's, it's like, you know, you look at it like a video game. You just work through one level of the game at a time and that's how we did it. And, and now here we have 23,000 service providers using the platform to, to operate their lawn mowing business. So how have you gone about getting the word out about the business that this exists for, for people who are looking for lawn care? I imagine that's evolved and changed over the past decade that you've been doing this. But how has it changed? What methods work best? Yeah, it's, it's like our biggest com competition is the status quo. It's, it's a lot you know, it's, it's, it's still like 99.99% of the, of the landscaping industry happens offline in a pen and pad manner. And so that's our biggest competition is how do we let folks know that there's an easier way to do this. And it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like where Grubhub was in like 2007 with respect to ordering food online. You know, they weren't competing with, with other online food ordering services. They were competing against the status quo, which is kind of where we're at. And so we're in this, in this point of, of time where we're trying to chew through that kind of old way of doing things. And some of the main ways we get the word out is through SEO. We do a lot of uh, online marketing on Google in terms of good content. If you search for a lawn mowing service nearby you, it doesn't matter where you live in the United States, we pop up as one of the options for you to consider. And, and so we've created some of the best content around lawn mowing services near you. If you live in Kansas City, Missouri, or Seattle, or Lincoln, Nebraska, we know the best lawn mowing services in Lincoln, Nebraska, and we, we surface that to you. And so it's like, okay, well, here's the, the 10 best. You can now hire them on GreenPal at a touch of a button. And so that's how we get over half of the users that, that use our platform. The other half just come through word of mouth. It's hard to measure. It's hard to track. It's hard to influence. But we just focus on creating a really consistent, uh, a, a really delightful experience for consumers to use this app to get this chore done. And uh, that, that, generates half of the people that use it. And some markets where we have uh, 
have have better liquidity kind of reinforce themselves and and we we see that where it's like okay you know the more people that use it the more contractors that want to use it the more contractors that want to use it the cheaper prices are the cheaper prices are the more consumers want to use it so we kind of get this nice little flywheel effect going so let's talk now about the lawn care providers how do you market to those folks how do you let them know that this opportunity exists and how do you get them to sign up yeah, it's uh when you have a multi-sided marketplace like this, you do have basically two customers. You have to figure out a value proposition for each side and you have to craft that value proposition and, and market to both sides and kind of get them at the party at the same time. You know, there's the chicken and egg problem that, that exists for, for marketplaces like ours. And it's very real. And if you can't if you can't get suppliers and consumers on at the same time, it never kicks off. Usually the side that is spending money is the harder to get. And so for us, um, the consumers are, are usually where we're more constrained. If we can get as many, as many of those as we want, contractors will follow. And uh, that's, that's how it's kind of unfolded for us. So when we go to a new city and launch it, we, we kind of hand crank the vendor acquisition just, just through we, we, we go online and we call these folks and pitch them on the idea of signing up. We do a little bit of Facebook marketing, but it's about 5% of the overall effort in terms of marketing versus the consumer side, because if we can get as many consumers as possible, the contractors kind of find out about it and sign up and, and go through our vetting process. Now that said, uh, we really uh, go deep on the, on the vendor side in terms of tools to t for them to operate their business. Like 75% of the contractors that use our platform operate their whole business on top of, of our software. And so everything from, getting new customers, quoting, getting paid within 24 hours, organizing your routes, all of your CRM, everything is handled for you. So we go about like 100 feet deep on the consumer side and 10 miles deep on the contractor side. So it's really a business in a box for them to run their whole landscaping business on top of our app. And so then they're kind of ready and you're able to order them off the shelf, so to speak, as a consumer because they're locked in. They're, they're, they're on the platform ready to be hired. So what's something that, you, that you've learned over the past 10 years in terms of marketing? Let's say something that you don't do anymore, that you used to do, but you've learned that doesn't work anymore. Well, so it's like when you're marketing a brand new product from scratch and trying to get your first hundred customers, you know, it's very different than where we're at now with several hundred thousand. So that, so it's like, it's okay for your marketing to evolve over time. And so we're a decade in and, and looking at it almost like a video game, like level one through 10, level one marketing for us was we had a crappy app. We needed a hundred people to use it so we could get feedback. Well, how are we going to get a hundred people? And we just passed out flyers. We passed out door hangers all over Nashville, Tennessee, where we lived. And, and uh, that's how we got the first hundred people to use it. I got bit by a dog like twice. Like it was not a scalable way to, to get, to get people to use the app, but it got us the first hundred people to use it. So we could then talk to these folks and, and get feedback from them and, and understand, okay, this is, this is where we're delighting people. This is where we're pissing people off. This is what, where they, where they, what they wish the product would do. And so that's how we got the early feedback to then bake into how we improve the product and then also how we changed our marketing. And that was something we learned really early on was that a lot of times folks just go to Google when they need a, a, a landscaping contractor. And so that's how we keyed in on, okay, you know, Google organic search might be like a something we lean into and we bet the company on. And, and so we very early on figured that out and, and literally bet the company on, on competing in Google organic search. And so 
And then as time went on, we, we really tried to figure out, okay, here's how we get the word out on Google and here's how we create content for these local phrases. And then, and then we figured out, okay, now we can take it into another city. And then little by little, we, we figured out how to do a nationwide SEO strategy. Now, just a, an important follow-up question. Were you bit by the same dog twice or was it two different dogs? <laughs> two, two, two different dogs. And I think it was the, after the second one, I was like, golly, we got to <laughs> figure out a different strategy. But it was what we had to do to, to get through that level, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times that's what hangs up new startup founders is that they're, they're, not, they're worried about Bowser when they're on level of one. And you can't, you got to just do everything you can do to get through level one and, and level one just might, you need, you need a dozen customers or you need 20 customers to, to figure out what the hell it is you're doing to get to level two. So do whatever you can to get through level one. For us, it was passing out door flyers. I don't want people that are listening to this to say, oh, the key to success is to pass out door hangers. No, it is not. <laughs> the, the key to success is do whatever you can do to get through one level at a time and, 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 and just focus all of your intensity, like your life depended on it. And then you'll figure it out as you go. Don't worry about level eight and nine. Okay. Right. So if if what you need to do involves flyers, then do that. Right. And if it means maybe getting bit by a dog, well, maybe, maybe that's <laughs> going to happen too. But you just your point is you just said, do whatever you have to do to get started, to get right. up and running, and then you can move on to the, to the next levels. That's right. That's been my- Yeah. So what's something that you've learned throughout your long career, even before GreenPale, that you could share with our listeners about audience engagement, something the, they, can, they can take away to, to help them better engage their audiences? Yeah, you know, something about service-based businesses, you know, whether it's a landscaping company, home cleaning service, any home maintenance service, or, you know, a, even a marketing agency or whatever, like service-based businesses, are pretty easy to get into. You're basically selling man hours and, and you'll learn 90% of what it means to be in business in those businesses. And, and there's a lot of lessons I learned in my first 15 years building that landscaping company to eight figures that I plowed into the tech company. And, and so I think a lot of times folks want to like go for the grand slam idea when they really just need to hit a single and just learn what it means to be in business for yourself. And a service-based business is a great business to do that. A lot of things I learned in that company, just from you know, basic management skills, basic leadership, team building, what it means to, to manage a P&L, what it means to, to, to understand unit economics and, and what it means to hire at the right time and not hire too many people and all of those things. And, and one fundamental thing was just making it dead simple for people to talk to you as the founder removing all of the friction between you and your customer is, is a fundamental that I learned in the landscaping company and plowed into the tech company was that, you know, my cell number was available to every single person that, that we did business with. And sure. Yeah. It it made, you know, it made it a seven day a week thing, but I was never at a loss for what we needed to be focused on. Like it was, it's, 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 and that, that, that customer feedback is, is just free R and D, and it's you'll you'll never be wondering what you and your team should be focusing on improving because your customers will tell you. And I see this as a as a fundamental mistake a lot of new founders make is they kind of want to hide behind the screen, they kind of want to just hide behind like the chat, or maybe not even that they don't even want to do the chat. And and so it's like even today, several hundred thousand people using the app, I still do at least one hour a day of of customer tickets, customer support. Because I don't want there to be a gap between founder logic and customer logic. And uh, and there always is one. And so you have to work to close that. And 
that was something I learned in my first business was just make it frictionless and dead simple for people to talk to you as the CEO, as the founder, because you need that. You need that, that unvarnished feedback to know if you're on the right track or not. I love that. That's really great advice. Something really simple, but I think you're, I'm sure you're right. A lot of folks maybe just don't think of it or think that, no, I, I can't be so available. I gotta, you know, I gotta run yeah. my business. I can't be bothered with that stuff. Or all this, this concept of work-life balance and, and stuff. I think if you're going from like zero, I have nothing to one, like I have something, it's a seven-day-a-week thing and it's a full-contact sport. And, and yep. yeah, maybe you don't have to do it forever, but for a period of time, you got to run hard and, and you're going to have to make it really easy for people to tell you where you suck. And it's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, but it must be done. Must be done. <laughs> Well, Brian, thank you so much for a great conversation. By the way, in, in, in that same spirit, how can folks uh, connect with you if they want to chat? Yeah. So anybody that doesn't want to waste time mowing your own grass, just download Green Pound the App Store or Play Store. Anybody wants to hit me up, I put most of my time online into Instagram. So just hit me up at Brian M. Clayton. Drop me a DM there and I'll hit you back. Okay. And that's Clayton with a C, right? Correct. Okay. We will put that in the show notes. So once again, Brian, thank you for your time for a great conversation. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged. <laughs>